Welcome back, everyone. This is part two of our clinical and ultrasound characteristics of adnexal torsion taken from the American Board of OBGYN Maintenance of Certification List 2021 under gynecology. Ready? Let's get back to this article now. Whether you're a medical student, nursing student, resident, nurse practitioner, or anybody else in women's health care, we're here for you. This is Clinical Pearls. The article we are summarizing and highlighting is by Moro et al., and it comes from the American Board of OBGYN, Maintenance of Certification List. If you haven't listened to part one, I'd advise you to go back because there's a lot of great detail there. This study is a retrospective study. It used operative records of eight participating gynecological ultrasound centers, and it used patients that had surgically confirmed diagnosis of adnexal torsion. The objective of the study was very simple. It was to describe the clinical and ultrasound characteristics of torsion. Remember, all of these patients were surgically confirmed to have torsion at time of operative intervention. This was defined as evidence of ovarian pedicle, paraovarian cyst, and or fallopian tube twisting on its own axis found at operative intervention. In addition to subjects having a surgically confirmed diagnosis of torsion, only patients with at least two available ultrasound images and or video clips using grayscale with or without Doppler were included. All patients had been examined preoperatively with transvaginal, transrectal, or transabdominal ultrasound using standardized examination techniques. The authors identified 315 patients with adnexal torsion and available grayscale and Doppler ultrasound images or video clips from the databases of the participating centers. The median age of patients was age 30, and patients were mainly premenopausal, being 90.4% of them. Almost all, which was 96.8% of patients, presented with acute or subacute pelvic pain, and 59.7% of them had nausea or vomiting associated with the pain. According to this study, the ovary or the lesions involved in the twisting involved only the ovary in 45.7% of the cases, both the ovary and the fallopian tube in 35.8% of the cases, and only the fallopian tube in about 9%. And as a reminder that it's not just the ovary or the tube, in this review, paraovarian cysts were found as the cause of the tort in about 4.5% of patients. Conservative surgery, which is untwisting with or without excision of the lesion, was only performed in 47.3% of the cases, although conservative therapy is kind of the norm and the preferred according to the ACOG. So let's stop there for a minute because the authors do try to explain this discrepancy. I mean, only 45% of patients were managed conservatively, either untwisting and leaving it alone or untwisting and doing some kind of cystectomy or mass removal. But the authors do try to rectify this or try to give an explanation for this. They said that only about 45% of patients had conservative management, maybe because the surgeon decided not to manage conservatively because of necrotic appearance of the twisted organ. But as we said in part one, even with necrotic tissue, studies have shown that conservative management with untwisting in premenopausal patients can restore ovarian function in up to 93 to 100% of cases. 
Another reason theorized by the authors of why the surgeons just removed the adnexa is that they may have suspected malignancy based on ultrasound findings or perhaps on frozen section. Now, the size of the lesion is also something to remember. Now, the size of the organ involved is also something to keep in mind. According to this retrospective review, the median largest diameter of the twisted organ, meaning the entire adnexa, was about 83 millimeters. And the median largest diameter of an adnexal mass, if present, was 77 millimeters. Most adnexal lesions were classified as unilocular cysts, and the cyst fluid was often described as anechoic. Free fluid in the pouch of Douglas was also detected in about 71% of the cases. The position of the twisted organ with respect to the uterus was anterior 17% of the time, posterior 22% of the time, but it was lateral to the uterus in the majority of the cases at 60.2%. Recall that in part one, we said that the majority of these far and wide are benign, and that's a good thing. But in this review, among the cases where invasive pathology was found, the ultrasound examiners suggested malignancy in two of three cases with invasive cancer. It was an ovarian choriocarcinoma and an immature teratoma. In one case of an invasive mucinous cyst adenocarcinoma, the examiner suggested benign histology and reported just stromal edema. So that just is a reminder that while these lesions are vastly benign, there are some cases where malignancy may be involved. Now, among four cases with borderline histology, the ultrasound examiners classified correctly three cases as borderline, of which two had evidence of torsion, which is the whirlpool sign in one case, and edema in the other. And they misdiagnosed one case as benign, meaning an ultrasound, remember guys, is just pictures. Until you get in there and take a look at the tissue, the chance of cancer is always real. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, family, we're getting to the end of our podcast. We've covered the clinical findings, but what about the ultrasound findings? Well, on retrospective review of the images and the video clips of those 315 patients, predefined features of torsion could not be assessed in all cases, but in those that could, ovarian stromal edema with or without peripherally displaced antral follicles and the whirlpool sign were the most common ultrasound signs of adnexal torsion. That's a good clinical pearl. If you're ever asked what's the whirlpool sign on ultrasound for torsion, remember that the whirlpool sign, according to other published literature and this report as well, is one of the more definitive indicators of torsion. This distinctive sign can be seen on ultrasound by moving the probe along the axis of the suspected torsion. It appears as a clockwise or counterclockwise wrapping of vessels around a central axis. 
So ultrasound techs really love to find flow and either describe in the reports the presence or absence of flow to the adnexa, and that's very helpful as well. But what's better is if they actually find a twisting of those vessels along a pedicle. So have them look specifically or ask about a whirlpool sign. All right, friends, so what do we know about this study? Well, as the authors state, this is probably the largest study describing ultrasound findings in that nexal torsion and actually comparing them to the clinical presentation as well as histological findings. Ah, but there are some limitations that the authors themselves acknowledge. First of all, when reviewing the saved images of the ultrasounds, the ultrasound examiners knew the diagnosis for this study. So this may have introduced bias that could explain why the whirlpool sign in ovarian stromal edema with or without peripherally displaced antral follicles were more common on review of the images than in the original ultrasound report. Now, because the study design was done in this way, the authors could not report on the sensitivity or the specificity of ultrasound with regards to diagnosing that nexal torsion. Well, we've covered ovarian or adnexal torsion. Yeah, it's not an infrequent call from the ER about this possibility. The key is to act quickly to try to preserve ovarian function, of course, obviously in premenopausal or especially in adolescent patients. And as always, we appreciate you all taking this journey with us. So we've covered the MOC article from the American Board of OBGYN regarding the clinical and ultrasound characteristics of torsion. We'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls. 